It is time to blast off inside the kennel. And now, here is the Tomahawk Missile himself, Vindog Radio. to the kennel with myself in dog radio money bin production please follow my super producer money bin on twitter instagram and rumble at money bin productions with a Z. all right yes and you can also add and follow the podcast on iHeartRadio, apple google and samsung podcast spotify tune in pandora Indeed, Amazon Music, and wherever you shall download podcasts. Money Ben, how you feeling, brother? Oh, man. Great. Yes, you know we're at episode 130. Wow. Round of applause. Episode 130 is in the house. And yes, my good friend, Mr. Robert Garmong, is in the house. He's going to tell a very compelling story. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I really urge you to share this episode. This is going to be one of the most powerful episodes you have ever heard in a long time of any type of broadcast. Because it's nothing but the truth that is coming out the windows, man. I'm telling you, this is nothing but pure honesty. That's going to be happening within the next five to seven minutes. Now, in good faith, yes, in very good faith. In the, and he's a great Christian brother. He belongs to the church of Jack Hibbs in Chino Hills, Calvary Chapel. And he is a retired Marine. He is a law enforcement officer. He is going for his detective position. Yes, he's going to get promoted. And we can't say what law enforcement agency he's with. And that is to protect the innocent and him. So, you guys are going to get a real boomer on the next side if you keep it right here inside the kennel. But one of the other boomers is we're going to tell you how they've been lying to you about the scandemic. Listen. The Oscar winners give a press conference and how to buy a sailboat. I, I guess my feeling at this point in time is maybe we need to be completely a little bit more scary for the public. Especially with the Delta variant, which is the hardiest and uh, most contagious variant we've seen to date. Okay, we need keep all lying. the protection that we can get. That's why the Liars. vaccines are so effective. Liars. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Liar. We've got to get them vaccinated. What? And hopefully they will do it willingly. I think we really may need to make it clear Liar. that there are privileges associated with being an American. We have to be more blunt. We have to be more forceful. If you do not want to get vaccinated, you can work from home. You can homeschool your children. You can shop online. So where is this coming from? People saying, I'm now being forced to be vaccinated. If you want to travel, you better go get that vaccine. You should be wearing masks even when you are vaccinated if you are indoors. If you wish to have these privileges, you need to get vaccinated. We have to say something coming out. You know, you don't get vaccinated. You, you know, must obey. Let's just, let's just be really blunt. You must comply. What a perv. Get vaccinated. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy, brother? They've been lying to people for ages saying they should get vaccinated, inoculated. 
with a cognitive poisonous shots, courtesy of your buddy, Antonia Fauci. What's Fauci got to say about it, brother? What's he got? I am Dr. Fauci. You must trust the science. Because you are the science, right? I am the science. You do as I say. Lord Fauci, ladies and gentlemen. If you do not comply, I'm going to make sure you're locked up forever. I guess they don't like I that. I will take away your privileges. You will not be able to vote. I shall vote for you now. Wow. Anthony Fauci making enemies on a daily. <laughs> oh, man. The guy loves making enemies, brother. I love it. So, ladies and gentlemen, coming up on the other side, Mr. Margong, Garmong. Yes, his name is Robert Garmong, and he's got a crazy story, and I can't really tell you anything about it because I am going to, like, wind him up and then let him go and tell his story, and I'll just probably interject it, like, in the middle or something. But I want everyone to listen to him because I'm pretty sure it's happened to you or a family member, and this is real personal. And it kind of got me upset. It got me angry, bro, when I heard his story. And I'm like, man, we've got to put this out. And uh, and I got to give a shout out to uh, Rob McCoy and all those guys. They put him out. And he's been on a few other shows that we can't mention yet. But uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what this guy has been through. And um, it just tells you how the government really feels about you. And these hospitals are not really hospitals. They're death centers. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a, mm. I'm speechless. Yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I'm telling you, man. And, and this guy, well, he lost his wife, but he's going to tell you more about that. We're going to leave it to him to tell you the story. Vint Dog and Money Bear, we're going to step to the side and flip it up. On the kennel right here on podbean.com. You ready to cock back in aim, brother? Oh, yeah. Back in a minute, sucker. Back in a minute. More with the street shooter himself right after this. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Vindog Radio. What's happening, everybody? Vin Dog in the house from the Kennel Podcast right here on podbeat.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are so wonderful. Thank you. You're so lovely tonight. All right. Now, here's what I really came here to ask you. Would you like to advertise your product or services on our podcast? Hey, just inbox me at vintasticpromo at gmail.com. That is V-I-N-T-A-S-T-I-C promo at gmail.com or... You can talk to my man, Money Ben. That's right. You get Money Ben Productions up with a Z on Instagram. Yes, you can DM him or DM me at Vindog Radio USA on Instagram and Twitter also. And we will get back to you and we will work with your budget. Small budget, big budget, large budget, any budget. We work with everybody. Isn't that right? Yes. Do we work with people that want to spend their money? Yes. Do 
Do we know how to promote? Yes. Are we the greatest podcast on earth? Yes. So please promote with the kennel right now and we will take care of you taking care of us because we love all of our people, right? Yes. We love everyone. Yes. We sure do, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Stay tuned. More of the kennel coming up, baby, right here on podbean.com. He shoots straight from the hip. And if you don't like it, go and stuff yourselves. Back to the kennel with Mr. Keeping It Real himself, Vin Dog Radio. Hey, what's up? It's Rick D's in the morning. Don't forget to wake up with me right here. But right now, Vin Dog. Welcome back to the kennel with myself, Vin Dog Radio, a Money Bin production. Please follow my super producer, Extraordinary Money Bin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Rumble at Money Bin Productions with a Z. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you this is going to be one of the most powerful episodes that you have ever listened to, and I wanted you to get engaged big time. And I invited a great friend and a brother in Christ. His Stay name back. is Mr. And I want you to call him Mr. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, man. His name is Mr. Rob. How, how would you say this? Garmong? Close enough. All right. Sorry about it. You're good. Yeah. Garmong. <laughs> okay. Yes. And he has an incredible story that he wants to share. And I, and I think he needs to share it with you. And this is going to be the moment that you want to just pull up a chair and relax and just, just take it all in. And, and let's start uh, with uh, the whole scenario on how you came about to where you are right now with, uh, you know, everything that's happened with your wife and, and so forth. I mean, man, it's an incredible story and it kind of grabs my heart. So (laughs) I'm going to let you start this off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So most of my interviews, I kind of go in a little bit of history of my wife and I, you know, I had a, a beautiful and amazing bride, Tassie, who is the reason why I found my way back to God and got saved and became a Christian in the first place, really. Um, her and I met back in uh, July 17, 2009. I just got back from back-to-back years in Iraq. I've been there 08 and 09. Um, I came home. A bunch of my buddies kidnapped me and forced me to go out because I was about to go back to work. Um, I was deployed to the reserves this time. And, you know, there's this old restaurant. It's no longer there called Via Soriso, and it was on Coronado or I'm Colorado in uh, Pasadena, excuse me. And as soon as I walked in, I saw this amazingly beautiful woman with this incredible smile and these amazing dimples. And I actually thought she was a bar back because she was dressed so conservatively, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out she was actually bartending because she was putting herself back through college again for her next degree in nursing. And um, it was like from that moment on, we were inseparable, right? Then we, people like, they ask, what's your anniversary before your wedding anniversary? And I was telling it's July 17th because from the moment that we started talking and a bunch of my buddies and my, my female friends had gotten us really talking more like intimately. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we were both into each other. We, we were inseparable from that, from that night on. True Hallelujah. So we move, we move forward, you know, we, we get engaged like typical military guy, right? We get engaged like six months later, <laughs> but we had a long <laughs> engagement. We had a, we had a one year engagement. So, we got married at, at, at about the one and a half year mark, mm-hmm. but for us, it just felt normal. You know, we were already older. I had just turned 30. She was turning 27. Um, or actually when we got married, she just turned 30, uh, 27. And we had this fairy book, you know, story wedding at the millennium Biltmore downtown. Ooh. She had the big, crazy, long 
glamorous bejeweled white princess dress almost um you know we were all in tuxedos and and it was just this really big amazing event you know we went to europe we were in europe for an entire month for our honeymoon mm. we we're all over the place right i mean it's just all the the fairy tale stuff that you that you would hear about in like disney movies or whatever so we we end up getting pregnant with our very first son like right after we got home from our honeymoon so obviously god's plan right yes and we we have our our eldest son landon and then um my wife was really filling the pool back to church she had been saved in 1997 with her high school ministry back then and i had walked away from the church three years after that and i hadn't been saved yet anyways so there's a lot of pool to the church a lot of pool to the church and this is all God's plan. Like I know everything that I'm about to embark on in the next three weeks and everything, it's all God's plan. Yes. Um, you know, I was listening to John Colson, one of his sermons the other day. Let me go off track a little bit. And you know, his, his incredible story, if you're not familiar with John Colson, lost his, lost his dad, lost his wife, mm -hmm. lost his wife after a miscarriage. So now I'm starting to feel really like in tune with John Colson. Cause these are all starting to sound very familiar to me, mm. but you know, then, then, then a few years later, well, maybe like 10 years later, he loses his daughter at the age of like 16, 17 at the same, in the same exact manner that he lost his wife in a car accident. So Yikes. as I'm listening to John Colson's, you know, sermon and he's telling his story, it, it's very, very resembling of what I've been going through. But then his message is it's all God preparing him for something greater. So now going back to the church thing, my wife was really feeling this pull to go back to church. She, she basically not through trickery or debauchery of any sort, but just really talking to me, got me to commit to going back to church with her and our eldest son while she was pregnant with our second son. And then like we've talked about in the past, you know, I felt the, I felt like the Simon Peter moment where he denies Jesus three times before accepting Jesus um, mm -hmm. in that, in that particular story. Well, three different Sundays, I heard Pastor Raul Reese from Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, you know, do his altar call. And each of those times I felt the pull and I felt the tug and I just didn't do it. Oh, wow. The, right, right. So on the fourth Sunday, though, my heart was like ripping out of my chest. I felt my chest just splitting open and I just got up and I just rushed down there. I was probably like the second one of the altar or the podium at that point. And I accepted Jesus Christ in that moment. And my wife just, she wept. She was so excited and probably relieved because she'd been praying for me for like five years, four or five years at that point. Dude, I probably so, would have wept too. <laughs> I do so, that when people get saved, bro. I do that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a, it's a defining moment. There's no, mm -hmm. look, I, I have, I have three sons here in this world and I was married to the most incredible woman in the world. And, you know, I've graduated Marine Corps boot camp. I've retired from the military after 20 plus years. I graduated a police academy. Yes. You know, I, I'm about to finally probably make detective because I'm on the list and it's just a matter of time before my number's called. All the things I ever wanted to do or be in life, I've done or been. Mm -hmm. And the one most signif like significant and defining moment in my entire life is the day I got saved. That's the most important moment in my entire life, the day I got saved. Mm -hmm. Because that's the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and God then welcomed me home even though I don't know what the date is yet. He knows what it is and he already knew at that moment that I was written into the book for the Bema seat, not the judgment seat. So mm -hmm. that's all, that's all through God. But obviously my wife was a huge part of that. She was a big cog in that wheel. So mm -hmm. I, I go to, I, I go into this stuff because it, it one, it shows people the relationship my wife and I have. And then it also shows 
the relationship that we have with God and how he's the center of our marriage. So it kind of paints a big overall canvas picture of like how amazing our relationship together and our lives together were. Um, then we go on to have a third son. You know, my wife had completed or she graduated uh, nursing school um, in 2015, which was her second degree. She'd already had uh, a BSN in psychology. She had talked about maybe being a, a getting her PhD and being a shrink, but then she decided she didn't want to deal with people's problems. And so <laughs> she would have been great at it too. Cause I mean, even being an RN and then going into medical aesthetics, it felt like she was still a bartender cause she's always listening to women's problems and right. giving them sound counsel and advice, wise counsel. Um, and always from a biblical, um, Christian standpoint too. And so I think she would have been a great shrink. In fact, I think the psychology, um, arena needs more Christians in it rather than these secular methods and methodologies that they oh, use yeah. when they're doing people. But, um, so, you know, our life goes on, everything's great. Um, actually we were pregnant also with our second son. We bought our new house in Claremont, you know, an affluent city. We're doing great. You know, I'm moving through and work doing great assignments. Um, and then this pandemic hits in COVID in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Everything comes to this screeching halt for me, pretty much. It felt like that way. Yeah. But, um, so for my wife though, God started showing her things and she started to witness things in the hospitals where she realized that that wasn't the place for her. Right. It just like, and she was doing great things. All her patients were, she was working, um, the ICU at, at Glendora, Foothill Presbyterian, and then also at Riverside community about six, seven months later. Cause she got picked up by like a headhunter on this website that was looking for nurses and doctors to work COVID. And she was doing so well with COVID that they pulled her over there. And this is before all these crazy protocols began where they're really trying to push people on intubation. And before they started trying to get people, um, things like remdesivir and whatnot. Oh, that's a so, horrible drug. Well, we're going to get there. <laughs> so what is, what is happening is my wife starts seeing doctors and nurses like pushing for things that the patients didn't need. And she was, and my wife was very, very quiet. I want to say she's, she was passive. She was very alert and, and situationally aware. So she would know her audience and she would pick and choose her battles wisely. Something that I really should have learned from her. Um, well, I've learned it now. <laughs> I think I've learned it now, but in defense of others, she would not sit idly by. She would jump in if it had to do with defending others because she always felt like she was a sentinel to other people's um, feelings and emotions when they wouldn't stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, she seemed to have rubbed a lot of doctors or nurses the wrong way. Because these doctors nurses were absolutely um, encouraged to push these methods on people that were killing them. And so my wife had helped so many friends and family outside of the hospital by um, giving them sound advice on like what medications and what stuff is, is working and what's not working. And they all, they all survived fine. They all recovered, you know, relatively quickly. A few, like one of our friends who had a thyroid removed, it took her a couple more weeks, but for the most part, like everybody recovered within a week or two, 10 days at tops, minus some that had really significant underlying uh, medical conditions mm -hmm. and then they still recovered. They just took them a little bit longer. So the reason why I bring this up is it's the history of my wife's ex expertise and knowledge, right? She was a subject matter expert in COVID. And, you know, my wife was 
her ICU was getting people sick back in September, October, November, December, January, February of 2019 going into 2020 with all the same signs and symptoms of COVID. So, you know, there, there are a lot more reports coming out now that COVID has been around since the fall of 2019. Um, but they don't like that to be known because we weren't losing a lot of people to COVID back then. Right. Mm-hmm. You maybe had some elderly people that had passed away due to COVID, but then they, they, back then they were blaming it on the flu, right? Oh, yeah. you know, this people, elderly people died of the flu when really it was probably COVID, but it's because they're, they're elderly. They have other underlying medical conditions. A lot of them are on medications that exacerbate stuff, but you know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now, but you would see that as soon as mainstream media picked up on this narrative of this evil, disgusting killer COVID, then all of a sudden people started dying in hospitals and it's because of the treatment that they started getting. Mm-hmm. It's almost like those that needed real treatment were getting sent home to deal with it on their own. And they were being denied medications that were very important, like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, you know, sunlight, cause they wanted to lock everybody down. Yeah. Uh, and then people that didn't really necessarily need uh, extreme or severe treatment, all of a sudden were getting admitted to the hospital and putting on, they were getting sedated and put on intubation and everybody needed a ventilator. Remember that? Yep. So, so my wife was very, very specific about what she wouldn't want to do or recommend for her patients. And obviously the doctors have the ultimate say so. Right. But at the end of the day though, there came a time when my wife decided like, Hey, this isn't for me anymore. I, I need to get out of the hospitals because I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm not going to participate in something that I know is not effective and it's actually like killing people. So my wife prayed a lot about it. She went to God about it all the time and God started opening doors. My wife, a couple years uh, prior to the whole pandemic had gone into medical aesthetics, right? So, you know, uh, injections, um, Botox, all kinds of stuff like that for the beautification of women that felt that they wanted to do that. So she had gone through training with a really cool doctor back in like 2017. She'd been doing it on the side or at like Botox parties under the supervision of doctors, but she didn't have the in med spa, um, formal training or formal setting that she needed in order to work at some of these big med spas. And God opened a door for her in Riverside with a, a really cool doctor out there. And she started working there like Fridays, like one Friday or Thursday and Friday, um, every week to every other week, just whatever fit in her schedule with the hospital. Cause COVID was so, so big. Right. Well, she gets just enough experience that when they open up this brand new med spa in Monterey park, she applies for it. And because of her, her wonderful, charming and amazing personality and the skill that she now had based on the, the years that she's been doing it on her own under a doctor. And now with the, the other med spa, they hired her as their lead injector. So now she's there doing that. And then she goes from there to a brand new, well, it was an old med spa, but it was recently purchased out by new ownership and all that stuff. And then they ended up hiring her at a, at a hourly rate that satisfied what she felt she needed to make to be able to leave all the hospitals. Cool. Yes. So by God's amazing grace, he provides her an opportunity to completely leave bedside care. And now she's a lead injector at these two locations. She's overlapping. She's not at home enough with the boys like she wants to because we've always homeschooled. So she ends up um, turning in her two-week notice at the Monterey Park location so she can give more time to our Chino Hills location 
and boom, she's there. She's a lead injector and she's making amazing money and her patients love her. I mean, they loved her. They're, they're buying her like, it's a pretty affluent place and they're buying her like $700 bottles of Louis Vuitton perfumes and stuff like that. So, wow. She absolutely. So she, she, she knew that it was all God's plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the ability with her bosses to go in as business partners and open up her own med spa in Fullerton. So we were going to open up the ravishing aesthetics boutique in Fullerton. And we we're actually working toward that when all this other stuff happens. So now getting back to the part of my story that <clears throat> bear with me, mm-hmm. that, uh, gets us to why we're talking today. So, um, Christmas Eve, well, prior to Christmas Eve, Tassie and I were um, shooting some B-Rail for um, some videos that we're shooting for her brand that we're going to put up on YouTube on our Ravishing RN channel on on YouTube to get more exposure out there. So since we were making the move from Chino Hills to Fullerton, we wanted to capture an audience in Fullerton. So on the 24th or the 23rd, I'm sorry, on the 23rd before Christmas Eve, we had been up till like two, one or two in the morning shooting a bunch of film. And it was like her doing like a Mariah Carey Christmas song, doing some things with some vials for medical aesthetics. And she had already gone, been going since like, I think three or four in the morning when she'd woke up for the gym that day. So she went from, you know, whatever it was, three or four in the morning until two in the morning without any sleep. She goes to sleep for like a couple hours and she wakes up to work out at the gym. So this starts this process of where she's not getting a whole lot of sleep for about two to three days. And then she, I end up going to work on Christmas Eve. She goes to a family event for Christmas Eve. Like we do every Christmas Eve with all her um, dad's side of the family. And, you know, they all stay up till midnight. And then at midnight, they like open up gifts. On oh, sounds side. like my family. Okay. Right, right. And so she's laughing. She's dancing. She's singing. My wife could sing. My wife is very talented. Uh, extremely talented. She'd originally gone to, gone to college for um, for acting and everything, but she realized quickly that that wasn't for her. So she satisfied that itch by doing like speech and debate in college. Um, and this is how talented my wife was. Uh, my wife was, and I'm not big on the whole like, you know, this Hispanic female did this or this black person did this or this white guy did. Like, I'm not big on that. Right. But uh, but they they definitely notarize this and and they put it out there, but. In the um in 2000 2001, my wife was the, the very first female Hispanic to ever place internationally in the top three in speech and debate for singles and for uh, a couples thing. Oh um, wow! Her partner, right? So I mean, extremely talented woman, extremely talented. You know, she I I want to say she left this world too early, but that's that's God's decision, not mine. So mm-hmm. so um so I had to work Christmas Eve, and I had to work overnight. And I get this text message from my wife at like 5 a.m. on Christmas morning. And she's saying like she's not feeling too too well. And, you know, we knew COVID. My wife and I, we, we knew COVID. I knew it mostly because I've done a lot of research through this whole thing. And also because I was in this like heated thing with work where they were trying to force us to get ma- uh, mandated vaccines and all this other stuff. So I did tons of research. But I also resourced my wife a lot who had been dealing with it the whole time. So jokingly i was like well i hope it's not covid and jokingly back she's like well i hope not too right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then i get home and my wife lets me take like a two-hour nap so i can get up and start recording the boys like we do every christmas day while they open their presents well um 
my wife's pretty fatigued and she's got like body some body chills so she's kind of like laying on the floor next to me laying there recording the boys i'm tired because i haven't slept she's tired because she hasn't really slept because she was up all night uh wrapping gifts she her and i well mostly her i would just stay up with her when i didn't have to work but usually she would be up all christmas eve wrapping gifts because we had to hide them so the boys wouldn't find them and you know if we wrap them pre-christmas eve then how do we tell them some things are from Santa, right? They're like, well, if they're from Santa, why have they been here the whole time? <laughs> so, so we, yeah, exactly. So we had a method. And so my wife had been up. She got a little bit of sleep when I took a nap. She's fatigued, body aches, body chills, and she has a sore throat, and that's it. Um, and we have a two-pack take-home test. And some people like to argue, well, maybe you guys took the test wrong. It's like, uh, nah, brother, nah, sister. My, my wife is administering COVID tests for over a year she knows what she's doing mm-hmm. so we took the at-home test and they both came back negative now maybe it was a bad lot or bad batch we all know the pcr is funny in all kinds of directions oh speaking of that did you know that the guy that invented the pcr test he said that they weren't met for that and all yeah. of a sudden he disappeared correct <laughs> that's why that's why i pray for robert malone a lot like dr yeah robert malone, yes the original architect of of mrna research mm-hmm. because it's just a matter of time before he kind of disappears too i'm sure Mm-hmm. Um, not spreading conspiracy theories. I'm just saying, you know, mm-hmm. there's a trend that we see with people who speak out against the evil cabal. So going back to it, we both tested negative for, for COVID. So we're like, okay, so it's not COVID. It's, it must be that, that hot flu that's going around. There was a, there was a gnarly flu that was going around. I remember end of, November, end of November and December of last year that had nothing to do with COVID. It was just a really gnarly strain of, of flu. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking that's what we got. Well, she got right. Um, actually I ended up taking a test a little bit after her because then later on that night I stayed up cause I was gonna have to go to work, um, on the 26th or whatever. And I stay up, I take a test later cause then I start feeling fatigue, body aches and body chills. And coincidentally about three or four hours before I felt it, all three of our sons started displaying the same symptoms. Oh. So my eldest son had the sore throat like mommy and then all five of us had fatigue, body aches, body chills. So we're just thinking, okay, great. That makes sense. We all got the flu. So we all go to bed. Um, on the 26th, we're all still feeling kind of poopy. Um, by the night of the 26th, though, I feel better, and our two youngest sons feel better. And Landon's starting to feel better, but he still kind of has a sore throat, and he's still, like, tired. And then, obviously, Tassie, she's still tired. Um, by the time we all wake up on the morning of the 27th, though, Everybody feels fine. Everybody's fully recovered. So, of course, we're thinking, man, 24-hour flu, right? And because we hadn't been getting a lot of sleep, it's probably why it lingered a little bit longer for her and for me than it did for, like, two of our boys. But moving forward, my wife, thinking it was the flu, doesn't see any reason why she can't go out because you can't spread the flu if you've already recovered from it. So she grabs her three sons, and they go out in town, and they start returning gifts, swapping out gifts, using gift cards, all the stuff that my wife normally did the day after Christmas, mm-hmm. she's now doing on the 27th. So she comes home later on that night, and she's, her and the boys are fine. And she's like, I am still a little tired, though, because I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. And even though I was resting while I was sick, I still feel a little under-rested, so I'm going to go to sleep early. So she goes to sleep early on the 27th. And by early, we normally go to bed between 8.30, 9.30. So she just went to bed at like 8.30. Mm. Um, so the morning of the 28th now, so now we're on the 28th. And we've gone a whole day, everybody fully recovered. I go to take the dog out, her dog, because we had just put my dog down because of cancer. 
So I go to take her dog out because I didn't want her having to do extra stuff. And as I'm walking out the door, my my middle son, Tristan, he's calling for me. And he's he's telling me that mommy was calling for me. And it sounded like there was a loud bump or thud in the, in the downstairs bathroom. So I run to the bathroom. I can't get in right away because she's kind of like blocking the door where she had fallen from passing out. I finally get in. And she's she's unconscious and breathing, so I do a sternum rub, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And she said she didn't even realize she's just she's just standing there one second, and then she's like, she's out the next. Well, what happened was she was extremely dehydrated because she hadn't been keeping in fluids during this whole process. And when she when she passed out, she hit and caught her head. Um, actually, it was it was the left side on the sink, Ouch. the counter. Right. So when she came back to, she had this really sharp pain in her neck. She couldn't move. So now we're worried about that. She is not complaining one bit about fatigue, uh, body aches, body chills, no sore throat. Um, this whole time, she was never hypotensive or, hyperten- or experiencing hypertension. Um, she, she never had a fever. Uh, her heart rate was always in the, in the mid to high 60s. And her oxygen saturation levels never dropped below 98%, right? Mm-hmm through this whole process moving all the way until you know a few nights later even but she was dehydrated um extremely dehydrated and so because of her neck though she was worried that she had maybe pinched something or or done something bad or her spinal cord her we call her mom her mom takes her to doctor's uh memorial in, in montclair or doctor's hospital excuse me in montclair and she gets checked in there to get x-rays for her neck but this is during december 2021 everybody's in these crazy protocols and you can't even enter the hospital without what taking a covid test no now now get it everybody's gotta take a covid test or i'm sorry everybody's gonna take a covid test to get in the hospital but everybody that's had covid is gonna pop positive for covid up to 15 or 20 days after they had covid oh yeah even though even though you're not even contagious anymore it's still gonna show up right and again the pcr tests are kind of funny so she tests positive for covid so the staff, they even though she has got zero symptoms of COVID, remember that. The gimmick begins. Right. So they end up putting her in a tent. And it's a super wet, rainy day. I don't know how it was down down where you're I don't want to say where you're at because I don't know if everybody knows. But no, no, <laughs> down no, where no they don't. <laughs> so down where you're at, I don't remember what the weather was like this past Christmas week from last year rainy. down there. But up here, it was rainy, it was wet, it was muggy, it was nasty. And so they put her in this tent, and it's super freezing cold. It's it's moist in there and everything. They don't have any heaters, no blankets, nothing. And that's where they're putting all their COVID-positive people. Mm. So you're putting all your COVID-positive people in a wet, moist tent while it's raining and muggy and cold. And you're not providing them any form of heat source or protection from the inclement weather. Why? Why would you do that? Like that? Does, that seems like negligence and 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 malpractice to me in a sense because you're basically pushing them into worse conditions because of the type of environment you have. Oh been. yeah, that's that's not smart. So she's there for hours, and then they finally bring her in and they give her X-rays, and they determine like, okay, yeah, you 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 pinched your neck, but it's nothing that's gonna be long term. It might be sore or ache for a week or two, but you're going to be fine. And then they give her two bags of IV because she's dehydrated. And then they send her home. Okay. Dehydrated. Two bags of IV. They send her home. No other talks about COVID. 
Although one of the doctors there did belittle and berate her and badger her for like five minutes while I'm on the phone with her because she wasn't vaccinated. Oh, man. So basically, so she didn't get the jab and he decides, oh, okay, since you didn't get the jab, I'm going to scold you about it. You know, right. that's what they that's what these numbskulls are doing because they get paid when people get jabbed up. So that, you right. know, it, it's crazy, man. It, it's a money. It was a money making scheme from the beginning for Big Pharma and the rest of these clown dusters. And, and now they're putting people at risk by giving them this poisonous toxin stuff. And now right. your wife suffers at the hands of these idiots because she didn't get the vax. Crazy. Right. Well, it gets worse. So it definitely gets worse. And I can't say it gets worse before it gets better because it never got better. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the other thing, too. So let's go back to the vaccination being emergency use authorization only. So why can none of these people who are su- – there's thousands of them. Go check VAERS. Go to the VAERS website. How come none of these people, these thousands of people that have suffered from adverse effects of, the, of this shot, how come none of them can sue? Because they volunteered. Because yeah. under emergency use authorization, it's by a voluntary process only. And if you volunteer for an experimental drug and you have an adverse effect, you can only blame yourself. You can't blame the manufacturers of it yeah. because it's under EUA. That's why nobody's been fired yet for not taking the jab. Well, in, in modern day. I mean, there were some people last year, the beginning of this year, I believe that may have been fired from some hospitals, but they, had, they got their job back. Mm-hmm. And why do they get the job back? Because they can't force you to take something if there's no liability on anybody but yourself for taking it. So you can't force me to take something if the liability is then going to be on me if there's an adverse effect. Because what you're doing is you're basically taking away my liberties and freedoms to make medical decisions for myself. Mm-hmm. So what happens now is let's say that they bring Corminati into the United States, which they won't do. Because like you said, Vinny, it's all about money. And once you bring Corminati into the United States, which is the only FDA-approved batch and lot of the um, uh, the well, the old BioNTech. This is like a, a version of BioNTech that they had to rebrand and rename mm-hmm. because it is approved. Um, once they bring it into the United States, though, they have to eradicate all the other Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson shots because they're still under EUA. And one of the, the premises for EUA is you cannot authorize and maintain an EUA if something legitimate, and by legitimate, I mean FDA approved and tested, is now available. They would lose billions of dollars oh, yeah, doing yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Why they don't allow Corminati to come in, even though they're trying to tell everybody you have to take the shot, like the military and everything. So, so anyways, going back, this dude berates her, belittles her. I try to get on the phone with him. My wife's like, nope, nope, nope. I know where this is going to go. I love <laughs> you. I love you. I'll see you when I get home. Bye. And then she comes home. And I'd already been on the hook with a doctor down in Santa Ana. We're going to label him uh, Dr. 2019-001. Because I'm not putting doctors' names out there because I'm not going to let these doctors get doxxed. Yeah, so exactly. I actually, have, I actually have, and it's not in my house, FBI, if you choose to raid me like you did Trump's house. Like, I don't have the names associated with the serial numbers for doctors at my house. You're <laughs> not going to find it there if you yeah. serve a warrant at my house later. But here's the deal. Like every doctor that I'm dealing with now and before, they're all assigned like a serial number. So that way their names don't get put out there in the media. So that way they don't get doxxed or harassed like Kavanaugh. But so Dr. 2019-001 down in Orange County prescribed us the whole protocol, the, the legit protocol, not the California and New York protocol. But the legit protocol that you can get, like in Wisconsin and Florida and South Dakota, 
that's like your ivermectin, your Vitapax, and all these other things. And um, we began to take it, and we couldn't get it in L.A., by the way. Like, ivermectin, we couldn't get it in L.A. We had to go to a pharmacy, and my mother-in-law picked it up for us in Fullerton mm-hmm. because Orange County will give it, L.A. won't. So what ends up happening is I start taking it, she starts taking it, but my wife is still dehydrated, and she hadn't been able to eat anything. So, of course, what happens when you take pills and put them in an empty stomach? Oh, man, it's all bad. Yeah, and you usually vomit. So then she Mm -hmm. vomited everything back up. So, obviously, I call the doctor. I'm like, now she's vomiting. And he's like, okay, it's because she's on an empty stomach, dehydration, all this stuff. So they put her on one of those, like, rice diets where she can have, like, bread and, like, I guess, uh, water, um, ice chips, whatever. And so with electrolytes... So that's the process we're taking, but she's just not getting enough fluids in fast enough. Mm-hmm. And she ends up passing out again on the night of the 28th, but not to be alarmed, right? She still has time to get hydrated. Right. So the morning of the 30th, I call the doctor because she had felt like she's going to pass out again. And he says he's going to get bedside care. He's like, hey, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a nurse come with like a full setup on New Year's Eve in the morning and then they're going to set up and we're going to monitor and that way you know we'll be we'll be there every step of the way and we'll have her on constant IV and then if we need to put other stuff in the IV to help her keep stuff down we will you know the whole process there's a protocol for extreme dehydration or or heat exhaustion type situations well what ends up happening is he does say disclaimer if she throws up again or continues to vomit not because she's taking in uh, medications but she's just she's vomiting like on her own then we we really need to get her to the hospital because even though the x-ray didn't show anything, you know, and then she's dehydrated and it's pretty severe. So we would have to get her to the hospital and do tests and monitor and observe and see what's causing um, the dehydration and the, and the vomiting mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, okay, doc, I mean, you're the doctor, so what you say goes. Well, what ends up happening is, i got to set this car again so it doesn't turn off on me. All right, so what ends up happening is, she wakes me, we go to bed, she wakes me up at like 11 o'clock or so, 11.15, and she's like, hey, I think you should call the ambulance, I really feel like I'm going to pass out. So I call the ambulance, LA County Fire shows up, uh, a local private ambulance shows up, they run all her vitals, and what do they say? Oh, they're good. They're good. She's, got, she's not hypotensive, she's not showing or displaying hypertension, her oxygen saturation level is recording at 99 and her heart rate's 68, 69%, or 68, 69 beats per minute, excuse me. Okay. And we're not going to transport. I'm like, are you refusing to transport my wife when we called you? They're like, I mean, her vitals are fine. So I asked, can you give her an IV at least because she's extremely dehydrated, and this is one of the concerns that we have with the doctor is that she's so dehydrated, you know, that might be why she's passing out. They said, look, we have a policy. We are not allowed to um, administer IVs if they're not hypotensive. Well, right? that is they're, crazy. Right. So there's a criteria now for IV um, usage. Well, I tell them then you have to transport her. And when you get there, just, you know, make sure that they know to call our doctor. So, you know, I walk them out. This is the last time I tell my wife I love her while she can hear me, at least knowingly hear me. She's, she goes to the back of the ambulance. I'm like, I love you. I'll catch up as soon as I get the boy squared away. I'll call your parents to meet you there. So I call her mom and I tell her mom, like, hey, Tassie's on her way back to the hospital because she passed out again um, and they won't give her IVs. Can you meet her at Pomona Valley uh, Medical Center? 
And now here's the problem. It's December 30th. It's 11:30, 11:45, going into 12, whatever. And I didn't know the stories yet about Pomona Valley. I've heard I about them. I did well regarding COVID and stuff. Like I didn't. Right. I had you know they they're the only like local trauma center and all that other stuff. So in my opinion, you know, looking back now, of course I wouldn't have sent her there. But I mean, we're Christians. We already know you don't you don't you don't die a second before or after you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so if it hadn't been this, it would have been something else. No matter what, like we'd be on here doing this interview and we'd be having this conversation about something else. You'd be like, Brother Rob, like, why do you think that city bus didn't see your wife when they were speeding down the street? That's you know true. Like, yeah. It would be what it is and I still wouldn't have my wife here with me today. And I'd still be waiting to be raptured or ruptured in order to see her again. So mm-hmm. um, my, my in-laws go to meet her there. I have to stay home with the kids. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get around this whole contract tracing thing too, right? Like contact tracing was huge in the winter of 2021 oh. and they didn't want anybody around and that's you know iphones were tell- tattletailing on people and all kinds of stuff <laughs> so yep so my in-laws meet the doctor my wife there there's some conversations that take place between my father-in-law and the doctor at some point um i don't know what was said i i was not privy to any of that um you know, my father-in-law and I haven't spoken since the Tuesday after my wife's service, which was January 27th. So probably since like January 30th, we haven't, or February 1st, we haven't spoke. So I, and even if I asked him, like, you know, who knows what he'd tell me. But some things must have been said because as soon as I get to the hospital a few hours later, after I got the, the final phone call from my father-in-law that things had gone, she'd taken a turn for the worst. Um, everything was fine, apparently. Like, they were going to keep her overnight for observation. She's stable. Everything looks good. Parents, you can go home come back in the morning and this this is actually a common phenomenon with a lot of these 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 stories that are taking place like you know some other christian brother and sister of mine scott and cindy shara in wisconsin their daughter grace um you know they're like hey she's looking good everything's fine her vitals are stable go ahead and go home and then they go home and they get a phone call everything's taking a turn for the worse right this is this is the pattern that we're seeing now they're sending people home that everything's fine and then as soon as you're far enough away not to be able to stop anything they call you back. Hey, uh, you might want to come back. Everything's looking horrible. Well, I don't know where, at what point they sedated her and then intubated her. Um, the claim from the doctor, although I never heard it from his mouth directly because he's always having nurses talk to me. He refuses to speak to me. He will ignore me. He'll pretend like he doesn't see me. He'll tell me not right now. I'm busy. The man never, ever, ever had the common decency or manhood to look me face to face, eye to eye and have a conversation with me. The only person who's legally able and allowed to make medical decisions for my wife is you while she sedated. Right. And there's California case law on this that spouses, not parents, not doctors, not judges um, after this ruling. But spouses are the only individuals legally authorized to make medical decisions, no matter what those decisions are for their spouse. Mm-hmm. So this doctor arbitrarily just going out and doing what he wanted and injecting my wife with whatever he wanted and sedating and intubating and pumping her full of drugs that are known killers. He didn't have any legal right to do so. And that's why it's malfeasance, not malpractice. That's why it's murder, mm-hmm. not an accident, not an accident. So there were conversations and comments that took place and were made obviously before I got to the hospital, but there were definitely comments made while I was at the hospital and to save arguments disagreements and and 
split friends and family who may see this interview later, I'm going to remain, I'm going to let the person remain anonymous who, who was the one making some of these comments. But things like crackpot doctor and conspiracy theorists and uh, science denier or, or anti-vax, these are all things that were coming out while I'm at the hospital. And then you wonder why an arrogant, narcissistic, overzealous, overreaching, politicized, uh, politicizing medical doctor refuses to speak to the only man who can make legal decisions. Because he knew what I was going to do. He knew I was going to stop him and be like, no, you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they sedated and intubated her before I got there draws a lot of concern for me, right, Vinny? Because here's the deal. Yeah. My wife and I, we have verbal DNRs with each other. We are to do not resuscitate under certain circumstances or situations. Mm-hmm. One of the subclauses to that was absolutely under no circumstance are either of us to ever be intubated. Because my wife worked ICU for many years before COVID. And then she also saw intubation during the pandemic. And she absolutely knew what intubation meant. Right. It meant, it meant for upwards of 90% of the people who get intubated, a one-way ticket to the afterlife. And for those that did survive, it meant up to 70, 75% of those people having long-term medical conditions and respiratory issues the rest of their life. Because a lot of times doctors, and it happened to my wife because I have the autopsy, um, miss um, insert tubes. And when they administer the intubation, they damage a bunch of stuff oh, inside people's uh, lungs and bodies. And so, sorry, I'm getting a little choked up right now. So, because I'm just imagining what, that monster did to my wife mm-hmm. under, under the name of medicine and COVID protocol. When in reality, he's probably seeing, you know, dollar signs. He's like, Oh, intubation. There's another 50,000, you know, sedation. There's another 20,000, you know, and, and here's the thing, right? At some point through those few hours that I was there, I was notified that they're going to start administering remdesivir because my wife had, had her blood pressure had dropped considerably. A woman who had never been hypotensive before, wasn't hypotensive during any of the moments that she passed out, which is not inconsistent with passing out from being dehydrated, by the way. People can pass out from being dehydrated because their bodies are so, like, famished and, and tired that your heart never slows down. Yeah, I, I passed out from being dehydrated before. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, and gave, and they gave her remdesivir? And then they end up giving her remdesivir at least once for sure that after I told them no. I told him, no, you're not going to do that. And so I'm on the phone with Dr. 2019-001. And they're telling me, like, oh, we spoke to your doctor finally, and he okayed remdesivir. No way. And I was like, hey, doc, did you approve remdesivir? He's like, I haven't spoke to the hospital. Wow. He still hadn't spoke to him yet. They, they flat out lied to me, not knowing I was on the phone with him. And yeah. I was like, you're not giving a remdesivir. You know, and, you know... Doc 001 basically said, well, I got to be careful because I got a 2020-001 also, right? Yeah. But particular 001, he's like, at this point, like, at this point where she's at, the effects of remdesivir could go either way. Like, it's it's like, you know, it's a moot point at this point. Like, you could just give her remdesivir and, and if she's going to live, she's going to live. She's not, she's not. Like, there's no, there's no factor to give to her or not. And I was like, then let's not give it to her. Don't give it to her. And they gave it to her anyways. And she immediately she she coded within minutes after that. Oh my and then, goodness! And the only thing, that, and this was the third time she coded. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell me she coded. Um, I don't remember if it was eleven fifty five or twelve fifty five when I was reading the screen, but she coded almost upon um, being admitted to the hospital. Like basically, they get her all worked up, they get her they get her all plugged in, and they start and then they start administering drugs, and 
almost within so much time of being admitted her first set of drugs, she codes. Mm. And she'd never coded before, right? right? So they didn't treat her for dehydration. As soon as that they found out she was COVID positive, they started treating her for COVID. Even though she went in there with zero signs and symptoms of COVID. And if people try to tell me, oh, well, but she was passing out. Maybe that was a COVID. No way. Man, ain't never has anybody until my wife's case heard that passing out was a sign or symptom of COVID. No. Let's no. see. Loss of smell, loss of taste, uh, fever, cough, basically any cold and any flu symptom. Passing out is neither cold nor flu symptom. No way. Passing out has to do with hypotensive behavior, which my wife was not displaying or experiencing. Dehydration, heat exhaustion, malnourishment, low sugar. Like there's all these other things that cause somebody to be passing out. But never before was passing out part of COVID. So now all of a sudden, because she tests positive, you want to start making that money? Like, I don't understand. You literally just murdered one of your own people, a registered nurse who dealt with nothing but COVID. That was perfectly fine for the whole time she worked COVID because you want to chase the protocol, even though the protocol had nothing to do with my wife until you started to conduct the protocol because she wasn't there for COVID. She was there for passing out for dehydration. And they couldn't so, give her a banana bag? Here's the deal, man. Doctors and hospitals are purposely administering the protocol because all they do is chase money. Yep. The medical institution and big pharma of any are in cahoots with each other and it's all about making as much money as possible. <sighs> I mean, let's look at Magic Johnson, right? I always use Magic Johnson. Uh, Tragic Johnson? Yeah. Let's look at Magic Johnson, right? Yeah. That dude hasn't tested positive for HIV in decades now. But people that caught it at the same time he did, I mean, look at Easy. I mean, he might have been too far down the down that train track. But my point is this, though: if you have the money, you can get cured of HIV, right? Oh yeah, instantaneously. But if you don't have the money, they're gonna run you ragged and dry of all your dividends, prolonging your treatment until you die from it because they didn't cure it; they just postponed it. Um, I mean, did you know that? the radiation pills for cancer kills more people than it saves. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Exactly. But why do they continue to do it? Because oh, it makes it's a money train. So they basically around five thirty six AM, they basically said that the machines were keeping my wife alive. At that point, I should have done my job as her husband and told him to stop because of the DNR. Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not blaming my in-laws for why I didn't do the DNR. I just felt like, there'd be a much more strained relationship if I had enacted the DNR because then my, they would have been like, well, maybe she would have pulled through because I'm telling, well, maybe not my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is, you know, she's, she's being political within the family right now because she doesn't want to go lean one way or the other more so, and then be in bad standing with somebody in the family. Um, but she's a good devout Christian woman. She's born again. She loves her daughter. Like Cersei Lannister loved her kids. Like, if that tells you anything, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, like, my mother-in-law is devastated about what happened. But she also has to serve, in a sense, two masters, and she can't be too open about feelings one way or the other because then she'll feel like she's either tainting her relationship with me or tainting her relationship with somebody else. And that somebody else is very fearful. I'm talking about double-vaxxed, double-boostered, still wears a mask out in public, all kinds of craziness. And it's... It's really heart-wrenching for me to see this because 
at one point I looked up to this person and now I just view him as a coward. Yeah. And if they hear this interview and they know who I'm talking about, like, I'm not going to be sorry for that. Like, I have a very high bar for people right now, especially with everything we're seeing, especially after what happened to my wife. And I'm sorry, but if you don't fall within this category, um, I really don't have time for you. You know what I mean? And that's not me being narrow-minded, but it's me being narrow-minded. You, you know what I mean? I'm not... You either you either fear God or you fear man in this world. And if you fear man in this world, you're a coward. Yeah, if you fear a man in this world, that means you're going to go and get those four shots. Right. And you there's know? a lot of studies coming out about those four shots now. More mm-hmm. so than before. Like when people like you and I and, and Bryce Eddy and uh, Pastor Rob McCoy and Pastor Jack Hibbs were sounding the alarms about these shots. Mm-hmm. When they first started coming out, you know, we were able to do that from a place of discernment. God bestowed us with this infinite, immediate understanding that these were, these were bad. These are not good mm-hmm. because we're elect. And because we're elect, God gave us that discernment. My wife was like that, too. My wife was like, absolutely no. Under no circumstance am I going to put this poison in myself. My husband's not going to do it. Our children aren't going to do it. And, I mean, people think we're anti-vax because of this, but we're not anti-vax. We're just very specific vax. And it needs to be mm-hmm. a real vax. Like, if it's not an inoculation, you're not putting it in any of us. And that's the problem, right? These things are not inoculations. They're poison. Bioweapons. So, Bioweapons for sure. Um, if you haven't seen my interview with Dr. Robert Yoho, we briefly talk about the bioweaponry of, of vaccines and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's got lots of subject matter experts that have come on his show before on his podcast. And they've talked about the bioweaponry of vaccinations and other injections. And it's 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 eye opening for those of you who don't know anything about it. He's a retired MD, and he just started finding out about this stuff this year. Oh, um, wow. And the reason why he's finding out about it is because of what he saw happen to like Amazing Grace, Shara in Wisconsin, or my wife, and all these things. So he is um, had his eyelids just ripped open. So um, going back to my wife, though, it's just you know basically they declared at eight thirty one. Um, after over an hour of doing chest compressions manually by machine, by, by cup, by they, they, they basically, in my opinion, they, they made every attempt to destroy, subdue, or eradicate any evidence of the wrongdoing. So basically they were just running up the bar tab. Bar tab, trying to get allow enough time for um, drugs to dissipate into the body so that the dex- toxicology couldn't be accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. The stuff that they typically do. You know, it's, yeah. it's all about them. Because I'll tell you this, um, I don't think I got into it in my last interview, but I definitely talked about it, I think, in my first interview, was that when there came a point where they knew that their job was done, what they'd done to my wife, um, one of the nurses comes up to me, a, a nurse I'd never seen before, and um, she says, hey, do you have any more family in the hospital? And I asked her why. And I'm already knowing, right? And she said, well, we'd like to get the family over here. And I said, okay, so what you're telling me is my wife's not going to make it. Like, all the, all the stuff that you guys have done was for not, and that my wife's not going to make it. And mind you, I didn't even talk about this, Vinny, but multi- on multiple occasions when I asked the nurse or somebody what was going on with my wife, you know what they kept telling me? Oh, she's a unicorn case. We don't know what's going on. It's a unicorn case. No, oh, it's not a man. Case. It's because you guys are treating her for something that's not the problem instead of treating what is the problem. So this nurse, I, I looked at this nurse. I said, ma'am, I said, look, cut the nonsense. I said, uh, 
I've been in law enforcement for, for over 15 years. And my wife's been a nurse for a lot of that, too. And she goes, a nurse? I go, yeah, my wife's a registered nurse. And the look on the nurse's face when she heard that wasn't the look like, oh, man, I'm going to lose a sister in nursing. It was the look like, oh, man, like they know what's up. Yeah, like the fear of God went into her face. Right. And it was mm-hmm. one of those, oh, poop moments where she's just like, oh, they might know what's up because nurses talk about this stuff. You know what nurses call remdesivir? What do they call it? Run death is near. Oh, man, that I believe that. Mm-hmm. Because they know, they know the effects of run. And then I'm sure if that nurse heard that I was saying no to remdesivir and now putting two and two together, and you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate. You know, I don't want to be, you know, there's subjective and objective. So I'm trying to stay on the straight and narrow here, but discernment is still very valuable to me. And, and I discern that she was putting two and two together in that moment. He was saying no to remdesivir and she's an RN who worked ICU. Right. So they, so they know, they know. And my wife couldn't have said yes to remdesivir. I don't, and I know she didn't say yes to intubation. So I'm trying to figure out why she would even, like, why she would have said yes to sedation. Why would you sedate her unless you sedated her first under more mild drugs to keep her calm and then just rolled right into a a form of sedation to prepare for intubation. But I know she didn't say yes to intubation. So the nurse that told me that's a liar, straight up. Yeah. So I go to get the in laws, you know. There's family. There's family now in the ER, which they've now converted to like an ICU because of my wife. And there's some feelings amongst some doctors on why she never went to the ICU and why they kept her in the ER. Oh my! And that's stuff that I'm gonna have to explore a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there has something to do with monetary compensation too for not taking somebody to the ICU and keeping them in the ER or whatnot. Um, and. Uh, there was a family member in the hallway who was acting a fool, screaming out loud, dropped a couple of G dang it's. But yeah. And I was like, man, like we're Christians here. Like you need to cut that out. You know, mm-hmm. I prayed the whole, like the entire time from when I first got there all the way to the end of this thing, I prayed right. even after they declared and everybody left the room so I could have some time with my wife alone. I, I was just praying. I was laying half on the gurney with her holding her and embracing her praying, you know, and I, I never, I never questioned God why I just, it was more like, what, like, what do you want me to do with this God? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've got all the medical records. Well, unless there's stuff that's left out, but the, the panel of doctors are going to be the ones to determine if anything's left out. But earlier I told you, I had heard about Pomona Valley in the past doing this to other people. Some, uh, one of the sisters at our church, this happened to her husband a few months before us. And I didn't know anything about it. And when she went to go obtain all the medical records, um, the nurses, the the nurses uh, charting sheet and all the medications they gave him were missing from the documents. And well, here's isn't the thing, that Vinny, a coincidence? Their system is a Dropbox option that you, you go and you <laughs> click a little down arrow and you go and you go, OK, I gave him this at this time. And I gave him this at this time. It's all Dropbox. Right. So you purposely go in there and 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 omit it from the record. Like, how is it missing? And then she goes back to get it when she finds out, the lawyers find out because they're suing. When the lawyers find out or determine it's missing, the hospital's like, oh, we can't find it. All well, of do, a how sudden. How do you not find automated, an automated tracking system that's all part of your system? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, there's a bunch of shenanigans going on, not only at this hospital, but hospitals all across the country. And I've got a panel of doctors. I've got 2019-001. 2019-002 and then 2020-001 through 4 
who it's six doctors who are all going to look at all the documents. Um, I got to be careful. I don't even want to talk about where some of these doctors work, but there is a leading uh, cardiovascular unit somewhere within the greater United States. And mm -hmm. one of these doctors may be a cardiologist who, who may or may not work for said cardiovascular unit, which is one of the top notch ones in the entire country mm. who may or may not be, uh, college roommates or, or in medical school with a very good friend of Tassie's. Oh, so, my. and the reason why the cardio thing is very important is because somehow documentation after 39 years of life is manifested at the hospital slash autopsy stuff declaring that Tassie had car, uh, congenital heart disease. And so congenital heart disease, in order to be congenital heart disease, has to be from birth, you're born with it, and you have to have two or more uh, flaws within your cardiovascular system somewhere around the stem, uh, the, the valves and the heart. Mm -hmm. So my question that I always ask everybody is this, like if my wife had congenital heart disease and she suffered from that, how was she a volleyball player, soccer player, softball player, and cheerleader all through high school? How did she play um, co-ed sports and extracurricular sports while she was going to college, like uh, local softball, soccer, and volleyball? Um, how was she an avid kickboxer when she graduated from college the first time for a few years? Mm -hmm. And how is it that she's done things like um, high-impact intensity training for most of her adult life? And she's a Les Mills certified trainer. Oh, man, you got to be tough to be on that. So here's my question: How 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 are you? How is any of this possible if she has congenital heart disease? Yeah, exactly. And, and the way this is all being explained right now, this is total me medical tyranny. This is basically oh, what yeah. it is. Oh, absolutely. And, oh, I know. And man, you know, I had to, I had to control like my thoughts because I I was giving like thoughts of rage when you were saying the, telling me this whole story right now. Right. You know, yeah. So, and I know how you must feel if I'm getting that way. I can imagine. Right. So, my first couple interviews with, with a really good buddy of mine, a good Christian brother. Like I, the spirit was definitely within me. Um, just like when I spoke at her memorial. You know, I'll share that with you too if you want to put that that 16 or 17 minutes up too. Yeah, let's so people kind of get uh, some insight into my wife and me and our relationship. But I, I, I think I managed a lot better. I, I kept any anger inside or, or mm -hmm. pushed down and suppressed. But then like when I did Sunday's interview with, with Dr. Robert Yoho, I was clearly looking at a chip on my shoulder because now I'm talking about it more and more and it's, and I'm going through these, these moods, right? Like I told you earlier when we were talking, mm -hmm. you know, tomorrow marks the 22nd year of my dad's passing. He, he passed August 12th, 2000. And this is the first time since my twenties that I won't have, you know, I won't have my wife with me to, to, to go through tomorrow with, Right. She was always my rock for tomorrow because, you know, obviously Jesus is my number one hero, but like my, my dad followed somewhere in there, you know, he was on one of those rungs in the ladder based on what he did in Vietnam and what he did as an adult and all these other things. So, so yeah, my dad and I had a pretty strained relationship when he passed away off of some old stuff that we never got to resolve because he passed away. Mm -hmm. And one of those burning feelings or issues that I have in here is that like, we don't know if my dad's in heaven. I mean, my wife knows now because she's there and he either, is, he either is or he is not. But, you know, my dad was a hardcore uh, legalist Baptist growing up and when I was growing up. 
and Baptists believe more in good works than they do in accepting Jesus Christ. And so, yes. you know, depending on how in touch with Jesus you are and how much the Spirit dwells within you, you know, who knows if my dad's in heaven or not? I, I don't know. And so, like, that that plays on me a little bit, too, right? Because now it's like, man, like, I'm not going to have that guy there. Like, Luckily, I have my wife and all of my sons. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for now, like, you know, we have four children that are with my wife through miscarriage, and then I have my our three sons here, and my two oldest are already saved. My 10-year-old and 8-year-old have accepted Jesus. They understand what that means. They've reached the age of accountability. So hallelujah for that. Woo! I mean, yay for them. My baby's barely going to turn six um, at the end of this month, which is why I don't step off for the pilgrimage until September 1st. But, um, but I mean, the house he grew up in, the house he grows up in, the example that I set for my children. I mean, if my other two sons got saved at 10 and 8, I can't imagine that my baby won't be saved too. And I pray for that every day that he does as soon as he reaches the age of accountability. Because what I don't want to see is, you know, those of us who believe the rapture is not far away based on the, the fallen world and where we're going. Mm-hmm. I would hate for my son to reach the age of accountability. And then three days later, you know, boom, the rapture happens. And my son was at the age of accountability, but he was dragging his feet on getting saved. So, you know, that's, that's, he's the last one that I need to check the box and be like, all right, we'll all be in heaven together. You know, we'll all be in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem for the millennium together. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then I guess that would segue into what I'm doing next, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, um, you know, the Memorial Foundation is on hold. I've got the stickers. I should have put one up here so I can show it to you guys. But um, the Memorial Foundation is kind of on hold for now until I get through this, this 100 days. But the pilgrimage starts September 1st, so at 8.31 in the morning, I'll be stepping off from Pomona Valley um, Hospital Medical Center, and that begins my, hopefully, no more than 100-day uh, trek or pilgrimage across the United States to not only bring awareness to the medical malfeasance and hospital murder that's taking place around the country, mm-hmm. but really, and most importantly, it's an opportunity for people in this country to fall to their knees, look up, weep and beg God for his forgiveness and repent and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yep. Yeah. America needs to repent. That is the only way you can get out of this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like we're at a, we're at a, actually you and I had a conversation last week mm-hmm. um, where I feel like we're at a point now pre Noah's, tr- like the, the Noah flood, right? Well, mm-hmm. the flood, I, actually it's God's flood, but like Noah was obviously, the architect of the of the ark and because of him you know mankind still exists and mm-hmm. animals are around but the thing is like there's so much transhumanism and stuff taking place right before the great flood you know right. the nephilim were in existence you know fallen angels that came and they'd had relations with humans and then the the byproduct of that were the nephilim you had giants you had basic transhumanism and it wasn't animals to humans like they're trying to do right now like you see in the world economic forum but mm-hmm. it was still angels and humans, and that's transhumanism because we are God's creation, and the angels are more of like a God's manifestation. So we're at a place again where we're starting to see that, right? Even mm-hmm. even this this COVID shot is is a form of transhumanism because you're putting synthetic products and technology into human beings, and that's not what our bodies are created for. Yeah. So those are I think the initial steps moving forward into the acceptance of putting pig lungs and monkey guts and you know flamingo hearts in, in human beings or whatever they're gonna do 
Oh man, yeah, they're they're not stopping at anything right now. They're like putting their foot on the gas. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, I had the distinct pleasure of driving one of the fastest cars mass produced, and it's like everybody in the elitist forum is trying to drive like this car, right? They're they're yep. the days of the boiling frog scenario are are no longer. You know the whole like how do you boil a frog? Yeah, or how do you? elephant right you know you boil a frog by putting him into the pot at room temperature and slowly cranking up the heat how do you eat an elephant you do it one bite at a time yep well now what we're saying is man they're just taking frogs just throwing them in steaming boiling pot of water now and just putting the lid on top yeah let's get it and, done now attitude you know right and they're 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 trying to eat these elephants like you know bowls at a time there's no more one bite at a time they're just trying to shove it all in their mouth like a hot dog eating contest and the reason why is because they feel like they're now behind schedule. Mm-hmm. They, you know, that's part of like the big funding going behind all this. Uh, well, I don't want to get too political because we're talking about medical malfeasance, but we're, we're seeing a lot more targeting of certain conservative political figures who might not have always been politicians. Yep. Right. Yep. yep and yep. we're seeing that certain groups of people are getting really scared as they're seeing trending going the same direction it did a couple years ago um mm-hmm. and i don't want to get into improprieties and discrepancies in elections or anything but it's going to be really hard to have a very similar election coming up in 2024 that we saw in 2020 but people are going to be on the lookout for certain things yeah and there's already states that are key ground states like pennsylvania forcing mm-hmm. the laws regarding election um forcing them to be put back in place so that there'll be zero deviation this time. They're actually creating more laws and bylaws and See underlying laws soon, to support the laws that already existed that were ignored or deviated from in 2020. So now they're, they're again, like it's full throttle, right? It's mm-hmm. accelerated to the, to the pedal, uh, pedal to the metal or metal to the pedal. How do they, how we used to say it? Pedal to the or metal. The, yeah. Pedal to the metal, right? Where it's all the way to the floor and they're fully accelerating forward because they know that their time is short and, their mission is number is their timeline is numbered it's not going to be um they're not going to get to fruition at the time that they originally decided that they needed to do this by like what was it 2030 yeah if if they don't start speeding up now because four years of a different president than what we see now bought us some time and obviously it all comes back to god's plan there's a reason why god's letting things play out the way that they are oh yeah um, simultaneously while li- lifting his hand of protection from us so we, we do these things to ourselves by not worshiping the one true God, right? By not worshiping the almighty, we have allowed these things to happen to us. But that all stems from, you know, 3,960 uh, BC mm-hmm. with the pomegranate, right? So yeah. your, your, your listeners probably don't know what I'm talking about. But, that's but I get it. You know, yeah. You're, you're in on it. You're in on it. So <laughs> what we're looking at now is we're looking at, the acceleration of a one world order being ushered in to get everybody on that one world currency under that one rule where everybody is happy for owning nothing and we can breathe through pig lungs and we don't eat meat. Oh yeah. But you would eat Z bugs. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) Snowpiercer, right? If you've seen Snowpiercer, the movie, then you, you, yeah, that's a good reference right there. (laughs) But I don't know, like, people ask me, like, well, what's your plan? Well, I have some minor logistics figured out, and 
if I'm sleeping sleeping on a park bench one night, a sleazy motel one night, a five star hotel the next night, or if I'm sleeping um, at Christians' homes because they open their door to me, that's all God. Like I'm gonna put that on God because that's what I need to do, right? The result of what I'm doing isn't my responsibility. A really good friend of mine from church, uh, Kaylee, keeps reminding me, like, hey, the end result that's not your responsibility. No, you are already being fully submissive to God. He wants you to do this and you're listening and you're going to do it. So therefore you focus on what you have to do and everything else you just leave to God. Absolutely. You know, we're just put here to finish the race that he puts us on the path on. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. And so this is kind of cool that you're going to do this in 100 days. I believe the mission is going to get accomplished. I'll tell you that right now. God has his plan in order, and all we have to do is follow through. Right. You know? Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. And and as far as people are saying, oh, man, you know, we just got to get this guy in and this lady in. I'm like, you know what? Regardless of what happens, God's going to finish the uh, book. It's already planned out. Right. You know? Well, the funny thing is, is it's already, uh, <laughs> to piggyback off of that, the book is already finished. God's just releasing, like, a chapter at a time. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you know, when we, and when we're raptured out of here, revelation 13 is going to be played out after that. Absolutely. Oh boy. For those, for those who don't repent right now, you don't want to face that. I'm telling you, if you need to repent now, seriously. And then there's those, and then there's those of us who are already elect, who are already saved, who, you know, there's uh, there's so much uh, revelations, but you went there, Vinny. Uh, there's so much to discuss and talk about. Revelations. <laughs> I mean, you have the 144,000 Jews who mm-hmm. will be saved, and then there'll they'll be witnesses to others during that time. Then you have the witnesses who are Gentile who will be saved during that time, and no witness to others. And then there are those like myself who believe that there are those of us who are already saved who, whether like me, had made an agreement with God a long time ago, if he's willing to accept my my plea for this and allow me to do it but there'll be witnesses who are already saved now yes who may absolutely tribulation right mm-hmm. and, and we're gonna be you know we're gonna be forced to suffer the same stuff as everybody else oh absolutely 100 you know? um and then it may be and i believe it will be it will be a beheading that gets us to the forever kingdom afterwards because the revelation says like those who will seek and find the kingdom through tribulation like we all get beheaded right i mean yeah. we all we all we all get the uh oh, i always forget what disciple it is that got beheaded mm. uh yeah. who was it Peter? Uh, man but we're all gonna get that treatment right we're all gonna get beheaded yes that, that, that are in the tribulation and then the interesting the interesting part about that too is things are gonna get so bad after the antichrist reveals himself and then offers everybody peace and um perfect utopia that there will be those who try to kill themselves in that last three and a half years and, and it will be, be able unable to. to do so say again and they won't be able to oh they won't they are going to suffer so bad that they will want to end their lives and not be able to man that's gonna be rough brother <laughs> that's gonna be rough and i don't well, want to be around for that yeah well like john colson right i mean i i I try not to sound narcissistic about this because I don't want people to think I'm like, this is about me. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about my wife and the families that went through this too. But I, I truly believe like John Colson that, you know, losing my father and then 
us having four miscarriages and then one being just months before my wife went to be with Jesus, you know, having to put down my dog for cancer, all these things. Um, they're all leading me and building me up to whatever it is that God's mission in life for me is. And if it's this hundred days or more or less to cross the country to bring awareness and get people to, to accept Jesus, then that's what it is. If it's something bigger, then that's what it is. And if it's to be prepared for the tribulation, because I am going to stay back and witness, then mm -hmm. that's what it is. But yeah. at the end of the day, though, I, I know that through these, this turmoil I'm in and these, this, this heartache and this pain that God's only giving it to me because through him and with him, it's building me up to be a true mouthpiece for him to really spread the word and yes. bring people to. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hey brother, you know, we got to have you on again because I want to talk about some other stuff that, we can't even get to because because <laughs> I'm long winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I love long winded guests. You know, I think it's great that people, you know, listen more to you than me. So right. because well, I, I, you know, I think that's what they need to do. Thanks for making me feel good. Yeah. So <laughs> so we got to have you on again, brother, and I hope you come back. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yes, yeah, same here, brother. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you. Please, please share this episode with everyone that you know, because I'm telling you, Brother Garmong has a great story. Rob, I'm telling you, this is a story that people need to hear, because I'm telling Amen. you, a lot of people have gone through this, and they think that they're alone in these situations, but absolutely not. Everybody, this is similar to what, you know, what other people have hap had happened to them and their families. Absolutely. You know? So, brother, man, I love you. Love God, you too, man. God loves you and your Absolutely. sons. And trust me, your your third son, he's gonna do it, bro. He's gonna do oh, it. I know he he's will. gonna do it. I know he's gonna do it. He sees he his will. older brothers doing it. He's like, I'm gonna do that too. And he's gonna mean it wholeheartedly. Yeah. He might be the he might be the best of us left too. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? What did God say that he's going to he's going to let this all play out until the last Gentile is saved and then he takes everybody home? Absolutely. So it's going to happen, brother. It's going to happen. And ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Kittle right here on Podbean.com. And don't forget to add me on Getter, Twitter and Instagram until they get rid of me on Instagram and Twitter, the oligarchs uh, at Vindog Radio. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We're out. Money Ben. Thank you. And Mark, I mean, uh, Rob, thank you. Mark is my other producer. He's like yeah, in the other hallway over there. What's <laughs> up, the Mark then? Yeah, big Mark. <laughs> All right, God bless you. Take care of one another. And remember, Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to get to the Father is through him. John 14, 6. Read it. It's all good, my friends. Take care. Amen.